welcome to She Plus Me, a podcast that inspires and celebrates personal and professional growth. I'll be your host, Nora Bade, founder of She Plus Me, an educational lifestyle brand. After going through my own wild journey of discovering my most authentic self through mind, body, and soul, I've been discovering what it takes to find your passion and to live your most authentic life. This is the place to be to dig into real and raw conversations with radiant souls from everything natural beauty to holistic health, deep healing, personal growth, and building a purposeful life. Every single one of us has the ability to build extraordinary lives and this podcast is going to help you get there. Welcome back to another episode of She Plus Me, and I am beyond excited to introduce Autumn Grant, the other half and owner of Flow Meditation, the first meditation pop-up here in Halifax. Autumn is a mother, a meditation teacher, and a community leader. Through her personal brand and meditation studio, she inspires individuals to be the best version of themselves. Welcome, Autumn. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I feel like this has been a long time coming because you and Jonathan and Flow Meditation have genuinely been like the foundation and the stepping stone for my personal growth and like discovering my own self-identity I don't know, like oh my identity. I know it's powerful. So I, I really have a strong connotation and association to both you and Jonathan and the studio. It's honestly amazing. Wow, that means so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> so exciting. I love what you are doing right now and what you brought to the community here in Halifax. And I know you have a journey as to how it all started. So let's kind of go back to your childhood days. So let's <laughs> go. The way back. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. I would love to chat about it. Were you always into meditation and just the, the self-growth aspect or is that something you adopted as you started growing up? That's a great question. Um, I grew up here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, in Carney Lake, and I had a really magical childhood. My parents would have us out in nature, biking and hiking and swimming and skating um, my entire life. So that's what I grew up with and really that connected with with nature. Um, and I was more of a sports kid <laughs> than academic, I would say. Um, I grew up as a competitive gymnast. I also played ringette and hockey and did track and field and played volleyball and just about every sport that I could think of, but um, but my main one was competitive gymnastics. Okay. So a lot of mindset goes into gymnastics. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I think about my mindfulness journey, um, it does take me back to my days of gymnastics and uh, visualizing my my routines before competition and, and sitting in silence with myself and visualizing my, my actions. And then I'd go and put them out onto the floor, the bars, yeah. <laughs> the vault. And um, it was really powerful to see see how that connection um, with myself and what I could visualize myself doing and putting that into action is really, really amazing. So all those elements were, were in your life, I guess, from the very beginning. Um, but did you ever connect the two? Medi- like, I'm sure when you were younger, meditation was not something you thought about. But as you kind of went through high school and that sort of thing, did you ever connect the two? Or was it always just from a physical kind of competitive standpoint? 
I don't think I really made the connection until after high school. Um, I moved to Italy, mm-hmm. um, to Florence, Italy, to become an au pair yes. um, with, uh, for a Florentine family. And I took care of the two most wonderful children. Um, their names are Jeter and Gilda. And their mother, Lucia, mm-hmm. she had such a positive influence on my life. Um, she practiced yoga every day and, yeah. um, and meditation. And we would sail, we would sail in the summer. And it's been beautiful, especially <laughs> in Italy. Especially. <laughs> and she would invite me to to practice yoga and meditation with her. And that was really even before the yoga, the yeah. yoga boom here in Halifax. Oh, yeah. And um and I would be I was just so in, engaged and interested in it. And um and we would drive, I remember driving through Tuscany um and taking care of the children for a week while she was at a meditation retreat and she would come back from her day and tell me all about it and I was just so curious and wanted to learn more for myself and and that's where I really learned that um, I have had a bit of a, of a meditation and personal development practice of my own through through my childhood but I wasn't conscious of it until yeah then. <laughs> yeah well tell me a little bit about your role as um, a caregiver to those two young kids yes oh my gosh it was amazing I am um, I was 17 when I went it was after high school and yes. most of my friends were off to university and I was just so curious about what else was out there in the world I hadn't done too much traveling before then um, but I wanted to see experience the world so um, the best way to do it absolutely it was really perfect because I was able to find an incredible family to live with and I didn't I was live in so mm-hmm. I was basically a nanny for them 24 7 yeah um and it was really the most profound and life-changing year of my life I would wake up in the mornings and go to the to the market and pick up vegetables and bread for the day yeah and then we'd come and we'd sit around the table and have a beautiful breakfast together and talk about the news and then we'd take the children to school that's so interesting to me. It seems to me like you've always emulated like that caregiver mother oh. <laughs> characteristic. Well, I mean, speaking of a 17-year-old who's doing that, you don't see that many 17-year-olds being caregivers. That's really sweet. No, it's true though, because I think it's a skill and a characteristic that you really have to hone and um, have the patience of working with mm-hmm. first off young individuals and also have the drive to actually do that day in and day out. Whereas, you know, somebody might see that as perhaps something that isn't contributing to their personal or professional mm-hmm. growth, right? They're seeing it as either a, um, a segue of this is what I'm going to do until I figure my life out, or this is something that I'm just going to, you know, do for the experience. Right. It's so interesting because um, when I went, um, there was really nobody else in my graduating year that I knew of that was doing such a thing. And I received some some pushback. People would say, oh, you're never going to stay for the full year, or you're never going to go back to school. Like what, like... Yeah, (laughs) an unrealistic kind of... Yeah. Right. And it kind of pushed me even more so to to be present and be in Italy when I was in Italy. And I really just took the year um, for myself and to indulge in the cultural experience that it was. Mm-hmm. And 
I can't thank that year of my life enough. Just really, I guess, going against the social norm in a way or what the social norm was for me and my circle. Yeah. Um, and it was just so, so eye-opening and, and really changed the course of my life. Well, it gives you a perspective that you don't have to go in the course that everybody in society, everybody mm-hmm. around you is going into. And then also, I love that you just set the perspective of something else because until you have those different experiences, you really don't know what you're either missing out on or a perspective from like a different lens when you've become so accustomed and used to seeing everything from like one specific (laughs) way it becomes really really hard to see it any other way and anybody who goes against the norm is then looked at or perceived as like you know maybe weird or maybe last direction or whatever the the association or label uh, that could be Totally. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it was it was really wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So she was obviously the stepping stone of your yoga and meditation habit. She was. And then from that, like, what triggered you to learn more about that or incorporate it into your right. own? Totally. So um, when I came home, I remember talking to my mom and saying, "We have to try yoga. We have to go to yoga together." Mm-hmm. Um, so when I returned home, it was something that my mom and I really got into. I guess it started with yoga. And um, and I always kind of thought that I would do my yoga teacher training. Okay. And um, and then it got it kept picking up, picking up, and I just for some reason felt like I wanted to do something different. So I didn't actually ever do my yoga teacher training, but I've always been really interested in yoga and I've kind of maintained a yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I returned home from Italy, I went to school and through a lot of trial and error, I ended up graduating with a combined honors degree in international development studies okay. and environment sustainability and society. Okay. And throughout my university career, I, um, I really just decided that I needed to follow what interested me. Mm-hmm. I did my first year at St. Mary's in business and it was a great foundation, but I just wasn't excited about it. Yeah. And, um, but that unfortunately happens to so many people. They mm-hmm. go through the first year, they're uninspired. They hate it, but then they still have to continue the four years because of the association. (laughs) What they invested into the first year, not just mentally and physically, but financially. 100%. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So then I decided to transfer to Dal and, um, and then I took a few international development courses. Um, and the reason I did that was because actually when I was in, um, when I was living in Italy, the family had an NGO, a non-governmental organization in Ethiopia, um, okay. with street children and, that really sparked my interest in development. Mm -hmm. So I had decided to take um, more courses to learn about our global society through the IDS program at Dal. And, um, and it just was so interesting and it just (laughs) was, I really pulled on a lot of um, my emotions Yeah, and I would be so engaged and I'd get so upset in what I was learning about the like very passionate yes very passionate and would always wonder what I could possibly do with an IDS degree and um and then I found out that there was a new offering called Environment Sustainability and Society. Yeah, and I which felt- is a growing uh, mm-hmm. program for Dalhousie. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it was fantastic. I was in the second year of of that program, and it just kind of connected everything for me. Um, so 
at the end of my degree, I just wanted to travel more yeah. and learn more about... Especially when you got the taste of Italy and <laughs> coming back. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. So I took a couple of years to travel. I would work in restaurants and, and worked in retail a bit. And then I would just, you know, take off whenever I could yeah. um, and experience different cultures through backpacking. Mm-hmm. And um, then after, after my travels, I... I ended up moving to Vancouver mm-hmm. to study human resources management. So I thought that that would give me the, the technical skills yeah. that I needed to top off my arts degree. Mm-hmm. So I did the program um, at Simon Fraser and it was really, really great. Yeah. And um, after the program, that's when I was recruited by Lululemon and started working at the Lululemon lab as the people and culture manager there. Which is essentially the mix that you just created from mm-hmm. not just traveling, but also international development and HR and all that. But I want to go back actually for a second, just to your travels, the retail experience, and then uh, traveling whenever you could. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's, I love the whole passion of just doing that because Mm -hmm. one thing that I think so many people struggle with is the skill of actually saving up to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like an association of perhaps like, oh, I can't just pick up and leave. Like that's just unrealistic. Like what am I going to do with my life if I do that? What's that going to contribute to? Totally. Which is, I think, a common, unless you're very free-spirited like yourself, (laughs) where I am like a planner. I'm like a perfectionist. And I'm like, okay, now what? What's that contributing to? How did that feel for you? Like, was that nerve wracking in any sense of just picking up? Like, were you ever doubtful of where it would lead you or you just trusted it? Like, you know what? If I'm being honest, it was my priority. Traveling was 100% my priority. I knew it's what what really lit me up mm-hmm. and what inspired me. Um, I I'm that. so curious. And so I would work um, and I made sacrifices such as living with my parents, which was a huge Which privilege. is not, yeah. Um, not but but yeah, it was a sacrifice in a way as well so that I did have the ability to save. And it's just, it's what I wanted at the time and what I felt I really needed and what would impact my life the most. Yeah. So that's what I did. So when you traveled, what did you learn the most, I guess? Like, where did you travel? Was it mostly in Europe or did you really do a lot of, I'm assuming based on your story, <laughs> so far, your instinct was to go to Africa, like mm-hmm. just based on NGOs and just being so personally attached. Yes, totally. I spent a summer in Uganda working with a an outreach program teaching teaching awareness on HIV and AIDS. Okay. Which was super interesting. So interesting and Probably so eye-opening as well. Unbelievably. It was such a beautiful country. And um, the people that I met when I was there were just the most wonderful. And I'm, I still keep in touch with them to this That's day. Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. That's really, really good to hear. Yeah. So I went to Uganda, but there's still so much more of Africa to discover. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, so yes, I, I backpack all through um, Cambodia and Vietnam. Which beautiful both places. Oh my Cambodia gosh. must have been interesting. Cambodia was was very, very interesting and educational. Mm-hmm. I would say 
one of one of my favorite places in the world is Indonesia. I've come back to Indonesia a few times. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was just it. It has such an amazing feel. The energy there is so powerful, and I mean, from the landscapes to the food and the people, and it's just really such a beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. What did you take away from your travels that you feel contributed the most to your own journey? Hmm. Um, I would say curiosity. Yeah. And, and the curiosity is what led to inspiration and just learning from other people from all over the world. And I think that that connection is imperative. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yes. And it just makes you feel more connected to, to our global society. And, and I think that it's impacted my life in such a way that I want to be the best version of myself so that I can make the most impact. I love that you say that because I mean, obviously, once you travel, that's what you realize, like how just interconnected we all are. Mm. And I think, you know, when you are only in one place, by us being so connected via, you know, online, social media, all mm. of that, we think that we see so much. But I think there's, again, going back to a lens, right? You don't really see it from an authentic and genuine perspective. It's like, you know, even once you travel, I, so many cases, you know, if you're on a resort, you're only seeing one right. lens of a country or a the lifestyle of exactly. the civilians that live there right? versus if you're traveling and you're really seeing all the nooks and crannies of like the good, the bad, and the ugly, right. you realize that there's so much that collectively we all can be doing to just make the universe a better place. And just, you know, people who are struggling shouldn't have to be struggling if we're all doing our part, right? Exactly. And that's the biggest thing. That is huge. Um, It just, it feels like there are so many social injustices. There are so many social injustices in the world. And when you take the time to, to observe how other people live Mm -hmm. um, and you have a greater compassion for, for other people and you where you feel more connected you become more engaged and I feel like that impacts the decisions that you can make on a daily basis because every decision that we make can have um, a positive or negative impact on Mm -hmm. other people so if you're not actively educating yourself then Mm -hmm. you're missing a large piece of how the uh the spiral effect can have on not just one other person but a collective of like whether it be a country or a community especially where you know today we're seeing a lot of that people who are speaking up for communities who you know don't have the unfortunately don't have the the platform to do so for themselves and uh, it's until you recognize it it's that's what and that's the most humbling thing Mm -hmm. yes yeah (laughs) well I think that connection of just stories which obviously you've had in your whole journey (laughs) where it started from what I love just hearing about so far what you've shared is you know tapping into the community and that those connections all kind of work together to create I guess your own journey but also play a ripple effect as to how people live their life 100% yeah do you keep in contact with anybody on on your previous like sports teams or high oh, school or anything totally yeah totally and I still play as a spare on a on a women's oh, hockey do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But I mean, I would, I'm sure there's been such a ripple effect based on just how you live your life and how that, that makes somebody reflect and look at the way they love their own. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And I also, um, my daughter, Florence, I, I signed her up for gymnastics. So she's currently in the, the parent taught program at Alta Gymnastics. Oh my right, God. Where I went she's going to be a little. <laughs> She has your physique. I love it. So going at fast forwarding event. So going to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You moved to Vancouver. You're working at Lululemon Labs. Yes. How is that as an experience? Oh my gosh. That first off, like was Lululemon a place that you wanted to work at? It was. Okay. Yes. When I moved to Vancouver, I had dreamt of working for Lululemon. Mm-hmm. The head office is is in Vancouver, and I've kind of, I kind of thought that that's where um, where my career would take me. And my intention with doing human resources, I thought it would be a really cool common or a, a really great combination and work well with um, with my work experience and my personality. And um, Lululemon's just so incredible with how they treat their employees. Well, it's trailblazers in their industry for oh, sure. hundred percent. And um, the personal development growth that I had access to through working with Lululemon really, really changed my life in a lot of ways. And I'm so grateful for my experience there. And um, working at the lab was the most fun I've ever so had. So tell me about the lab, because when you say the lab, I have no idea what sure. the Lululemon lab is. Yes, totally. So the Lululemon lab, we were located in Gastown yeah. and it was half design space, half retail space. Okay. So the lab is responsible for all of the office travel commute section with Lululemon. Okay. So we would see everything from from production to the designers working out of the space to fit sessions to okay. to just about the entire life cycle of uh, the design process. And then we'd have a really beautifully curated selection on a retail floor. Okay. And um and so the Lululemon Lab is really focused on community and um it was interesting because when I was hired as um, people and culture manager Jonathan was hired at the same time as the community manager. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We we worked really really well together. What he was really good at, I lacked, and vice versa. So we just balanced each other out really well, and we'd have a lot of fun um, running events together. And and we're both really passionate about it. So. That's kind of where we started. That's so funny. So wait, let's backtrack a second. So you got hired and you were at HR and he was community. Mm-hmm. And so going into like the act, like, <laughs> let's go real deep. Okay. <laughs> First impression, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan is so easy to love. <laughs> he is just has such a zest for life and he is just so beautiful on the inside and out and yeah we uh, we started out working really well together and um and then as time went on we realized that it was a little bit more than a platonic work relationship and Jonathan would say hey do you want to come out to this art show with me tonight or hey do you want to go dancing and he just opened up my world in a really fun way and um and so one thing led to the other and we quickly within a few months 
actually found out that we were having a baby. Oh my God. That, whoa. Whoa is right. <laughs> so when you first started dating, like, did you feel, well, first off, how did you explore the relationship of, you know, a work relationship and a mm-hmm. romantic relationship? You know what? We had a really small team at the Lululemon Lab and we had a great relationship with our manager and our peers. So we we told our manager pretty early because we didn't want to um, we didn't want to cross any boundaries yeah. and it was pretty obvious as well. Yeah. Um, so we said, hey, look, like this is the situation. We just want to make sure that there's no conflict of interest, and um, and so we navigated that um, pretty well. So yeah, we were we were open about it. Um, I'd say pretty close to the beginning when we're like, okay, this, this is happening. And, um, and we're really grateful that we, that we were, and that we were able to, to make it work at the lab and, and had the support. And Lululemon is such, um, an open company. And I remember sitting down and doing vision and goals with Jonathan and being like, this could be a really fun life. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) That's like the, well, you started it with a whole new journey of like a career and like Mm -hmm. settling down and then seeing the potential of, you know, potentially a soulmate, right? Totally. And uh, so after that was exposed and the team knew within a few months, were you like, oh, Jonathan's my guy? Or were you apprehensive by any means? Honestly, I was getting out of um, a very long term relationship Mm -hmm. and I was just having fun. Yeah. Jonathan was just such... Sorry, Jonathan, you were a rebound. You were a rebound. I'm sorry, babe. (laughs) (laughs) But I love... I I actually really like that you're saying that because I think so many females have that concept of like, okay, I'm going to find the one and then he has to be the one versus like just kind of ebbing and flowing with who you're with or who you're talking to and seeing how it vibes because I think generally there's so much pressure on like finding your love or your soulmate and like it feels like I don't want to say career or personal development is no longer like the number one thing it's like everything's going to fall into place as soon as I find love right right and that's yeah, the connotation totally. and that's like the stepping stone of what our society feels we have to do. And I think that from the beginning, Jonathan and I were very unconventional. Yeah. Um, and then when we found out that we were pregnant, it, how, how is that for you? Oh my gosh. It was, it was so interesting. Um, I was the week before I found out I was pregnant. I was on a surf trip with my family in Nicaragua. Yeah. And, and at that time, everyone knew about Jonathan and you guys were serious. Just starting to Okay. <laughs> Um, everyone in my family got a little bug yeah. um, when we were in Nicaragua. And I came back to Vancouver and I wasn't feeling too good. Yeah. And um, Jonathan's mom is a doctor. And Jonathan was adamant about me going to the doctor about oh. a week after I got home. Especially with the moms. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So... It was the first time we had gone to the doctor together. Um, I know that's kind of like a funny thing in relationships. So yeah. we um, we lived, or I was living <laughs> in uh, Hastings Sunrise in Vancouver. And Jonathan, we woke up one morning and I was not feeling well. So he said, come on, we're going to the doctor. So obvious, I'm saying obviously, but pregnancy was not even 
no, didn't cross your mind. Did not cross my mind. So we go into the walk-in clinic and he's like, do you want me to come in with you? Or is that too weird? Or is that too weird? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's fine. Come on in. So, <laughs> so we go in and the doctor gives my throat a swab and she said, oh, it looks like you might have strep throat. Huh. And, um, and then I thought that I might have a UTI. So oh. <laughs> So she's like, okay, well, can we, we might as well just do it yeah. anyway. So we'll do um, <laughs> a urine test. I did a pee test. And she came back into the room and she looked at me and she said, you're pregnant? And said it in a way that I knew and I had told her. Oh my her. gosh, that gave me goosebumps. And <laughs> my jaw hit the floor. Jonathan's eyes were fucking out of his head. And she said, Oh, sorry. Did you want me to say sorry or congratulations? Oh my gosh, that's such an awkward response. (laughs) And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, we need a minute. In that moment, I just thought to myself, I was like, I'm going to be a mother. And we left the doctor's office and it was absolutely pouring rain out. Yeah. And Jonathan just held me and he said, it's going to be okay. And that was how we found out that we were having a baby. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's interesting flow. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, um, so it was, it wasn't easy. No. Um, but at the same time I was, I was excited. Yeah. And I was in a position where I just, I told Jonathan, I said, you know, like, I know this is just the beginning. And I said, I am going to follow through with this pregnancy. Did So an abortion didn't ever cross your mind? Um, we thought about it. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I know it sounds awful to say. But. No, no. And <laughs> I'm definitely pro-choice. But for me, I just, I had felt a connection with the seedling growing inside of me immediately. Yeah. And and for me, the, it was just my choice was to follow through with it. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if that meant that I would, you know, be doing it on my own or, or with Jonathan. But he was like, no, this, we're doing this. Knowing Jonathan, I could totally like picture him saying that, no, we're in it together. Yes, 100%. And he was... He was so supportive and um, and it it took a while to, you know, come to terms with with our future together that we hadn't really honestly thought too much about before. Yeah. But we we did what we could to make it work and we went to therapy and we would find ourselves in a meditation studio in Vancouver very often. And honestly, meditation really truly helped us get get through the difficult stage of, of finding out that we were we were having a baby and also finding so much joy in it because yeah. it was also such a joyous time yeah, obviously like it's mm-hmm. uh, it's still regardless of how it happens it's such a new experience oh and like the such whole, a blessing yeah like your body just mm-hmm. developing and changing yes. and like the experience and just knowing what you're actually bringing into <laughs> into exactly. this world is is very very powerful oh and i absolutely loved being pregnant (laughs) i hear that actually some people say Mm -hmm. like either love it or hate it i guess yes yeah yes totally um but for me i i just i really really enjoyed pregnancy yeah and um it was really really beautiful yeah How'd you find that your body changed? Oh, like, <laughs> was that scary it for you? Was very scary. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was scary and it was exciting and it was 
incredible to, to watch, um, to watch my body transform and grow. And I never felt more appreciative for my body than through pregnancy. And I have a brand new appreciation for my body, um, since going through the pregnancy and childbirth in itself. And I love that you don't even look like you were ever pregnant. Oh, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) So, okay. So then that happened and then you had a natural birth. I did. I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was really amazing. Um, I I had a midwife, a yes. team of midwives in Vancouver, um, which was funny because Jonathan's mom is an OBGYN and <laughs> she was kind of like, I think you should probably get a doctor. But it was great because I had her. She yeah. She's actually a, a maternity doctor and, and I had my team of midwives and I went to um, a water birthing session. Yeah. And I... Which I'm so intrigued by. <laughs> yeah. So um, I learned about water births and and thought that it might be something that I'd like to do. But I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself to have like a natural birth or yeah. have, have anything go a certain way because I felt that with that attachment, you're blocking the flow of of life really so my birth plan was really just to do what would be best for my baby and me yeah at the time so um so throughout um my pregnancy I was trying to be as open I would educate myself as much as I could um and then Florence came a week early I was still working at the time and um Jonathan and I went out for lunch one day I had an appointment in the morning with my naturopath and we were supposed to work later there was actually a holiday party at Lululemon that night that we were both supposed to work and um (laughs) we were (laughs) the party was happening elsewhere (laughs) so we uh, we were sitting down having lunch and my water broke at the restaurant oh my god and Jonathan was so funny. I was like, okay, I think it's happening. And he was so excited. He made an announcement to the restaurant. I love like, it. Everyone, I'm becoming a father. That's Jonathan for right you. <laughs> he was so happy. He was like, he was so excited telling everyone. And I was like, okay, I think we need to go home. Let's <laughs> stop announcing it. Let's get it. Don't make me laugh. I'm in pain right now. Oh my gosh. So we go back home and um, I had my my birthing playlist ready. I had all of these things that I wanted to do. A pregnancy vibe. Oh yeah, totally. So it's like getting Jonathan to put on the music and then I realized that nothing was making me comfortable. So I was like, okay, I am actually in labor right now. Maybe we should call our midwives and our moms. <laughs> so, um, so Jonathan called the midwife and she's like, you know, just get comfortable. Um, you never really know like how far along you are in pregnancy. Like it's probably going to take a few hours. So yeah. Just get comfortable. So my sister was in labor for like 40 hours. 40. Yeah. Oh my God. Like two to get straight. Yeah, it was insane. I it was her first pregnancy with my oh my gosh, first yeah. That's Dude. I feel for her, and that's yeah. a lot. That's, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just I got a bath, and then I wanted to get out. And at this point, it was difficult to breathe. And my mom was supposed to come on Sunday, and this is a Thursday. And my whole oh. I really wanted my mom to be there, and I wanted Jonathan's mom to be there, and that was the whole idea. But then I felt like I couldn't breathe 
I was really full on in labor probably 15 minutes after we get home from the restaurant. Oh, and so real fast. Real quick. Yeah. So Jonathan called back the midwife and she's like, okay, I'll come now. So she comes and she decided to, um, she, she said she was going to check the baby's heart rate first and then check me. And um, she said, oh my goodness, you are fully dilated and the baby's head is an inch away. Oh my God. <laughs> And she said, we're not going to make it to the hospital. So it was naturally. (laughs) So Jonathan was like, okay, I'll start the tub. So he started the tub again. And I got in and I had flow within 45 minutes. That's Um, crazy. And I I love how the story just sounds so like like second nature. It doesn't Mm -hmm. even sound like you were stressing or like... Yeah, it was, it, it just happened so organically. Yeah. And when I reflect on it, it's exactly what I needed and almost what I, what I manifested in a way. Um, so the night before I gave birth was actually really incredible. I got a bath and I, for the first time, really felt like I wanted to write out a few things. It was a week before I was due and I just really felt called to write out some birthing mantras. I wanted to write out how I felt throughout my pregnancy. I wrote about things that came up for me, how I was feeling. And um, I fell asleep that night listening to Make You Feel My Love by Adele on repeat. Oh my God. There was no reason to it. It's not something that I normally would do, but I just, I felt... That's I mean, what I wanted. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and I woke That's up the next powerful. morning and, and that was the day. It was December 7th, 2017. And it all just worked out as it was supposed to. Yeah. Without resistance. And it was natural and organic. And to see what my body went through was the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. And we were so blessed with a healthy baby girl, Lawrence Olivia Yawa Dodoza. Very beautiful one at that. Yeah, I know. That's incredible. So I'm sure like motherhood has been a journey of itself, but mm-hmm. flow has inspired not just you in in your personal development, but mm-hmm. also what you and Jonathan yes. are doing today. And then how did that sure. enjoy? So when Flo was four months old, we moved back to Halifax. Yeah. Um, Which Vancouver to Halifax, that's quite a shift. Right? It's, it's quite a shift and it's so far. And yeah. it's always so tough having families in opposite, on opposite coasts. Yeah. So yeah, Jonathan made a sacrifice and moved to Halifax and I just really wanted to be close to my family. Mm-hmm. I love how he just fit in too. Oh, he, he <laughs> I always joke and say that he has more friends than I do in, in Halifax because he's just I, so social. He really is. I remember somebody coming to me being like, cause I had talked to Jonathan somewhere downtown and uh, I was working downtown and someone goes, you were just talking to this really cool, like really tall guy. I just want to know where did he get his jacket from? <laughs> and I was like, I was thinking about it and it was like the only cop really tall. Yes. And Jonathan wears like the brightest stuff. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's him. Yeah. 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 So he, he was just, he came in with his energy and he's like, we, we like we have to do something here. He's like, there's such an amazing freshness to it. Like, let's let's open something. Let's do it. Um, and basically, the first week that we came back to Halifax, the Halifax Social Network invited us on a retreat. 
mm-hmm. and um, Meech, Meech Ferguson, he asked me to... Which meet. is, in Meech is like, uh, he is a powerful... He's a force. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Meech. <laughs> yes, he asked me to lead um, a yoga class and a meditation class at this retreat mm-hmm. and and he was also like yeah like do you know how to cook <laughs> this is like my one of my first interactions with meeting meet yeah and the reason I met him was because Jonathan's a bit of a, a shoe head and I said okay there's a cool sneaker shop on Gopher Road let's go to court oh yeah so we stopped in and then we were there for like a couple of hours yeah. I think just talking to just him just thinking of me and Jonathan talking <laughs> Yeah, and then that that led to that led to him inviting us to um to this retreat at the Harrison Lewis Coastal Discovery Center. I laugh because oh my gosh, I could just literally picture it and just how organic and natural mm-hmm. that must have been. Yeah, totally. So that weekend, I ended up I ended up leading a yoga class, and I and I was so resistant at first. I said, "I'm not I'm not certified in yoga. I'm not like yeah, I don't feel comfortable doing this." He goes, "Just a little bit of movement is fine." Yeah, um, and so. So this, I feel like this is a really pivotal moment in, in how things worked out. So I came up with like a little series just from my own personal practice. Mm-hmm. And um, the night that we got there, I said, okay, so where will we, be, where is the yoga class going to be? And he goes, oh, like, I'm not sure. And there was really no open space. Oh my God. So I got up extra early that morning and I hiked down. It was about a 10 minute walk down to the beach. And in the morning, the birds were chirping and I could hear the sound of the waves crashing on the ocean. It was so peaceful. And I decided that I was going to lead a a, med- a silent meditation down. And I come to this clearing and it was the most beautiful beach um, and so peaceful. So I said, okay, I'm going to lead the little movement yoga class on the beach. Um, and so we all gathered and we, I led like, I asked everyone to, to walk in silence and pay attention to, to the surroundings as we walked down to the beach and I led a movement class and I had really great feedback and I really loved, I really loved being there. Yeah. Um, and, and leading that. So when we got back, um, somebody that we met, uh, Sid from Host Often, he had this space that on Argyle that he was, um, that he like asked if we would be interested in renting and it was a lease takeover. Yeah. And, um, so Jonathan said, I think we should just like try something. Jonathan ran a, an art, um, an art company in Vancouver and he was thinking of maybe doing that. And then we just kind of brought our heads together and we were like, you know, what makes sense for us? Well, naturally. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so we came up with meditation <laughs> business, <laughs> which um, is, I love that. It's like the theme of your story, like how you connect mm-hmm. both via meditation yes. and like flow and exactly. everything. It yeah. just made sense. So we decided to take the leap and we opened up the studio. And in the beginning, we were like, okay, we'll be kind of like the business behind behind flow. Yeah. Um, and we kind of gathered all of... I, I gathered my my friends, my Lizane, who did um, all of our graphic design, and yeah. Myla Pierre, who did the interior design of the studio. And Which was beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. They did such an amazing job. Yeah. And then we pulled all of our friends who had either yoga certifications or had a meditation practice of their own. And I had met um, Bahia at a yoga retreat in Costa Rica a few years before. Which Bahia is a fucking source on and over herself. Yeah, so I called Bahia and I said, um, I'm opening up a meditation studio and 
you're the first person I'm calling. <laughs> like if you need any any additional power, yes. that's definitely who you're calling. Yes, exactly. So so in the beginning, it was really about us kind of like I was I took on my HR <laughs> skills and Jonathan kind of took on a lot of the logistical skills and brought in a lot of creative energy to to make it happen. And then and then we had our little lease takeover on Argyle Street, which is was an amazing starting point for us. Yeah. In the beginning, like I said, it was a lot of just doing a lot of the behind the scenes work. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that I love teaching and I wanted to do more of it. And I had a lot of limiting beliefs in the beginning that I didn't have enough credibility or I had a lot of self doubt. So easy, yeah. And I said, okay, like I, how how will I be able to provide? meditation to others. And, um, and so I ended up doing my meditation teacher training with the most wonderful woman who has had an, an amazing influence on my life, Hiroko de Michelis in Vancouver. So I did my 200 hour meditation teacher training with her, which is an accreditation with the International Mindfulness Teachers Association. And it was really profound. And I also did my, um, my mindset coach training with Megan Martin in the Activate and Awaken program. And honestly, just recently, I feel like I've I found my niche and I found a way to connect my authentic self and my life experience. And what I'm what I'm really passionate about is is how I can bring that authentically to other people. And it's really been about starting with like rewiring my brain of these limiting beliefs that I had in the mm-hmm. beginning that which is something we all have mm-hmm. and we're all pre-programmed almost to like think that we can't right and it's like that fear of like doubt or disappointment right exactly mm-hmm. and um so yeah it's it, it was about letting go of those limiting beliefs and and you know, really doing the the work to know that I am enough and it would be almost a disservice to to not lead meditations. I realize that when I step into my power and I show my offerings. But I mean I I, I love that because it's kind of similar to how I perceive like me as a consultant, mm-hmm. right? Every every marketer, every brand strategist offers so many different things. And I think you can never ever compare, whether it be a business owner, mm-hmm. teacher, whatever the case may be, you can't really compare yourselves because I think through our experience and through our skills, what we offer comes comes across completely different and is perceived completely different. Exactly. And I yeah. think that starts with self-awareness and really doing that 100%. personal work. Yeah. Um, and then and then once you know you're in in that mindset, then you have the ability to live authentically yeah, and powerfully true, and true full awareness and acceptance. Yes. Yes. I'm just like who you are and what you have to offer. And it's like, once you reach that stage, nothing can shake you in the sense of like, you own your power. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just becomes so much easier. So much easier. And then everything flows. It does 100%. I agree. It's, it's so amazing and so powerful. And I feel like this practice of mindfulness and meditation, the world needs so much of it. (laughs) One. More than ever. More than ever. And there's so much room for 
for this to grow. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm just like so excited to, to be a part of it and, and making it accessible to, to everyone. That's really our mission. <laughs> well, you're doing a damn good job of it. If this podcast isn't inspiring enough, where can people find you to get more inspiration? Oh, that's really sweet. Um, so yeah, we've moved our business into a pop-up studio. So we, we visit different fitness studios around the city in Halifax, Bedford, and Dartmouth. And then we also have the uh, our outreach program, which touches on corporate offices. So I mm-hmm. love that because I get to use my HR in the corporate yes. setting with mindfulness. Which any organization would realize the power of totally. the, the bottom line at the end of the day, honestly. Yeah, it makes a huge difference it in employee really, engagement and yeah. all that good stuff. Um, and then we have been visiting a lot of schools within the Halifax Regional Center for Education and universities, Rats New and Dell, often and working with a lot of sports teams too, which we Incredible. really love. It's like full circle. Yeah, full circle. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. honestly, that mindful performance aspect is huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah. So you can find um, you can find us at Flow Meditation at F L O Meditation, and our website is www.flowmeditation.ca and me personally at autumn spelt with v's instead of u's my middle name is varia so it's a v t v m n oh that's something i just learned yeah (laughs) thank you so much for being on thank you so much for having me thank you so much for listening want more don't forget to subscribe and to leave a comment below Stay connected by following us on Instagram at shimi.co.